please open the word to uh, Ezekiel chapter 36. Ezekiel chapter 36, and we're going to be reading from verse 22. Now, if you're using a pew Bible, it's on page 706. Oh, that's me. You guys are all really blurry with the glasses on, but I can read. (laughs) Ezekiel chapter 36. And verse 22. Therefore, say to the house of Israel, this is what the sovereign Lord says. It is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I am going to do these things, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations where you have gone. I will show the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, the name you have profaned among them. Then the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Sovereign Lord, when I show myself holy through you before their eyes. For I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. You will live in the land I gave your forefathers, You will be my people, and I will be your God. I will save you from all your uncleanness. I will call for the grain and make it plentiful, and will not bring famine upon you. I will increase the the fruit of the trees and the crops of the field, so that you will no longer suffer disgrace among the nations because of famine. Then you will remember your evil ways and wicked deeds and you will loathe yourselves for your sins and detestable practices. I want you to know that I'm not doing this for your sake, declares the Sovereign Lord. Be ashamed and disgraced for your conduct, O house of Israel. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. On the day I cleanse you from all your sins, I will resettle your towns and the ruins will be rebuilt. The desolate land will be cultivated instead of lying desolate in the land of all who pass through it. They will say, this land that was laid waste has become like the Garden of Eden. The cities that were lying in ruins, desolate and destroyed, are now fortified and inhabited. Then the nations around you that remain will know that I, the Lord, have rebuilt what was destroyed and have replanted what was desolate. I, the Lord, have spoken and I will do it. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. Once again, I will yield to the plea of the house of Israel and do this for them. I will make their people as numerous as sheep, as numerous as the flocks for offerings at Jerusalem during her appointed feasts, so will be the ruined cities sorry, so will the ruined cities be filled with flocks of people, 
then they will know that I am the Lord. Amen. What about uh, before we come and look at this scripture together for a few minutes uh, that we pray together? Yeah, Father, uh, we are praying to you. We're praying to you, God of strength and God of light. Um, we're praying in the name of your son, Jesus. And we're asking that you would uh, turn lights on in our hearts and minds. We're asking that you would lift burdens off our hearts. And Lord, that you would do a cleansing and a renewing work in us. We so much need you, Lord. Uh, we need uh, your hand. Uh, us human beings, we, we can't accomplish much. Um, but you, God, you are the powerful one and can work deep within uh, the hearts of women and men. And uh, we're looking to you afresh, God, to do uh, what only an uncreated arm could ever do. Uh, Lord, for our life and for our hope. So, Father, come, Lord, uh, and speak to us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it has seemed right uh, to me that we have a little series on the church, and that is uh, what we're embarked on last week. Jeffrey spoke to us. The church, the most uh, powerful force on earth. The church, the most powerful force on earth. Hmm. I can imagine you laughing. Uh, I can imagine many people laughing. Uh, maybe fall over laughing, that you could think of the church as the most powerful force on earth. Because the church, in many ways, um, across Australia and um, even across the world, many times seems so weak and so small. But the church is the institution that Jeff taught, taught us last week, which is owned by God, uh, not only an institution but an organism, owned by the Lord Jesus, created by the Lord Jesus, um, and he has a great vision for what we should be as a people. Amazingly, you might think that politics is the thing that will change the world, or maybe you would think that new technologies will change the world, but... In Jesus' own conception, it was the church. The church is his instrument to bring light and truth and love and hope and justice and joy and life. Very, very powerful. Very, very powerful indeed is the church because it's the church that carries the message, the gospel so in the next few weeks, um, we're going to see glimpses of the church as the bride of Christ and glimpses of the church as the army of God and glimpses of the church as the temple of God and the people of God. But today, what I want to do is talk about um, the church, the heart of the, heart of the church. Um, so that's um, for today. Just the monitors don't match up with the back, but that's okay. As long as I know the back's there, that's fine. 
So, um, sometimes it's good just to fly over the scriptures like a helicopter. And uh, so that's what we're just going to quickly do today. We're not going to dig so deep. We're going to fly over the top. But um, the, the, the special text that I would love us just to focus our minds on this morning is verse 26 from what uh, Wilma read for us. And it's, it's the words of Ezekiel. Ezekiel living 600 years before Christ and he says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I'll remove from you your heart of stone and give you uh, a heart of flesh. And so I want to say three things about this text really and and I want to talk about the need for a new heart. I want to talk about the gift of a new heart and I want to talk about living uh, with a new heart. So number one, let's just talk about the need of human beings uh, to have a new heart. Because in the beginning, God created men and women to bear his image as image bearers. An amazing thing for each single one of us gathered here this morning is that we actually amazingly bear, somehow bear the image of God. Not like a tree or like a cat or like an elephant. They are all um, displays of something of God's glory. But when he made human beings, he made us to somehow in some unique way, bear his image, bear the very image of God. But things went horribly wrong early on when Adam and Eve were in the garden and the serpent came and they chose created things over and above God. So instead of loving God with all their hearts, instead of trusting him as God over all, for them something more attractive uh, turned up. And that is... They thought, God's holding out on us. He's he's not wanting us to be satisfied. We can't trust him uh, to care for us and provide for us. So we're just going to do it. We're going to go our own way. We're going to do it ourselves. We're going to take from the tree and we will provide for ourselves. Their hearts did not trust um, God. And so a terrible darkness came over all humanity such that the relationship between us human beings and God is severed and broken. And now there's kind of like this great gulf between humanity and the living God. And so for much of humanity, even today, uh, there's, this, there's this disconnect. We're longing for God. We're longing to know him in all sorts of ways, but we look in all the wrong places. Much of the Old Testament is an account of God bringing back all the people back to himself. And so, do you remember what he does? He creates a people for himself, his own people. He chooses one man, Abraham, and he says, Abraham, I'm going to go make a nation out of you and I'm just going to have a people, kind of a church, you might say, of my own. Because I want a people of my own possession whom I love and can be my very own who reflect me. And so he calls Abraham, even though Abraham doesn't have any kids, and he says, Abraham, just have a look outside, have a look at the stars, count them if you can, and that's how many your offspring will be. I will make a people 
because I'm bringing back um, a people to, for my own. And Abraham, when God made the promise to Abraham, um, Abraham believed God, but it didn't happen, not straight away. And so Abraham tried all sorts of things, failed in every way, but God, through a miracle, um, gave him and Sarah, when they were too old to have a child, they gave him them Isaac. And so from Isaac, this miracle child, this child of the promise, God created a nation from him, for himself. God's people are his own creation, are his own possession, are precious to him. God gave Moses, and Moses comes and gives all his people all these laws and these ways of living for him that display how good and great God is. And so these people, the people of Israel, were to live in such a way that all the other nations around would look at these people and say, wow, look at the justice of your God. Look at the righteousness of your God. Look at the holiness of your God. Look at the splendor and strength of your God. And other nations would give glory to God because they'd be looking at his own people. But many, many times, and you know this, many times, for centuries, they really did just fail like the hearts their hearts turned away from god they, they loved other other gods they went off god says as though a prostitute prostituted themselves to other gods they gave themselves to other things they preferred their hearts were stony and hard towards the god of the universe and they just fell in love with all these other things and all these other pleasures and so the book of judges the book of um Kings, the book of Chronicles, and many of the prophets are a testimony to what? To the fact that we human beings, even though God's good to us and gives us many things, our hearts turn away. Our hearts do not love him. Our hearts do not want to follow him. Our hearts wander from God. So a key lesson, if you want to know a key lesson from the whole of the Old Testament, one of the key lessons is that as human beings, we really are failures. There's, there's a terrible, terrible problem, like really bad, in our hearts, like terrible, rottenness. We, we wonder there's something terribly wrong. And there's nothing, no matter how many laws God gives, how many, how many good things he gives, no matter how many instructions he gives, the, the failure is here, you see. It's right here, right there. And so, in Ezekiel, God is saying, I'm going to do something really, really, really out of the box. Like, totally out of the box. Totally extraordinary. I'm going to take out your heart of stone and I'm going to replace it with a heart of flesh. Do you know... Uh, Andrew Skews has just this week been had his heart taken out, kinda, and and big operation and popped back in again. But, but this is not talking about the blood pump. This is talking about something far more radical and far more fundamental to the human, and that is that God is going to take out the heart that is the centre part of who we are, the the, the most fundamental bit. Of, of who we are as human beings and he's going to take it out and, and, and 
put it over there, that heart of stone that we kept turning away from God, and, and each one of us has got it, this heart that, that, that wanders, that does not love God as we should. And he said, I'm going to take that out. This is what I'm going to do. It's not, good, not your job. Andrew did not operate on himself. It, it took a surgeon to come in externally and do. And same thing. God is saying, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it. Something deep and fundamental in your very, very centre of who you are, and take out your heart of stone, your unresponsive heart to me, and I'm going to replace it with a soft heart, with a heart of flesh. That's the promise. That's the need. Every human being, like everyone in this room, definitely the preacher included, deeply needs a heart transplant massively because otherwise we won't follow God we won't love God we won't serve him and delight ourselves in him how does this happen number two the gift of the new heart do you know when Jesus comes do you remember that encounter that he has one night a man comes to him one night. His name's Nicodemus. <laughs> and Nicodemus is asking him many things. And Jesus says to him in John 3, verse 3, Very truly, I tell you, Nicodemus, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. <laughs> How can someone be born when they're old, Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb and be born. Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. When God sends his son, Jesus, the king of all, the one that's existed from all time, and he comes to this world, do you know what his purpose is? His purpose is to create a people that um, have got new hearts, totally new hearts. His purpose is to gather a people. Gathering, he's going to go take that person and put a new heart in them, and they are in. I'm going to take that person, I'm going to put, give them a new heart, and they are in. God's purpose is to do something very, very radical through Christ. Take out that which is old, that which is stony, that which is unresponsive to God, and actually give a gift, a tremendous gift, so so radical and so transformative that Jesus can think of no other expression than to say, you're going to be born again. Start anew. Start totally anew. A new creature. How does it happen? Well, in 1 Peter 1, it says that you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable seed through the living and enduring word of God. Do you know we have all got physical bodies? And if you know your biology, you are born of a seed. A seed comes. A, a woman conceives. And you're physically born. But Jesus is saying, but you need to be born not of perishable seed that will perish, 
but of imperishable. What is that imperishable seed? But the living and enduring word of God. So this is how it happens. The word of God, Jesus, the one who died a terrible death for us, on the cross, died for our sins, and rose in tremendous power. When that word comes and penetrates your heart, It gives you life. Just as like when a seed comes to the ground and the ground is dead, but the seed comes in and all of a sudden the, 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 the ground is alive because it's got a living seed in it. In the same way, God comes to you. Through, through an imperishable seed, the word of God, and lives in you, takes, takes, takes root in you. And God is taking out your heart of stone and replacing it with a heart of flesh. Now, this is what God has done. This is his church. If you're here this morning and you are a believer in Christ, then this is what has happened to you. Something extraordinary, like totally amazing, has happened to you. You might even even know what's happened to you. But what God is saying has happened to you is that God's taken, reached down through Christ and through his word and taken out a heart that used to be stubborn to him. You have no feeling. It was stony and it was not responsive to him and he's replaced it with a heart now that loves him and that wants to follow him. And it is a gift. It's a total gift. It's at great expense. When Jesus is dying on the cross, he's dying to bring life, to make a people alive, to gather a church that are living, that have a heart after God. That's us. Amazing what he has done. To gather a people by his own sovereign power and gather us as his own. So now we are people that love to worship him. Say, Lord, you're our life. Our money's not our life. Our our careers are not our life. Um, Our possessions are not our life. Our intellectual ability is not our life. You now, Lord, are our life. You are the one that we, we adore. We thank you for all the other gifts that you've given us. But you, oh God, have replaced our heart of stone. You've lifted off us guilt No longer are we gripped by worthlessness because you have given us your life. Did you notice what else it says in Ezekiel 36, 26? I'll give you a new heart, number one, and put a new spirit in you. You know, you wouldn't even dare to talk like this if it wasn't in the Bible. That the spirit of God would come and dwell in you. But that's the promise, the very promise of God. That he'll take out your heart of stone, put a new heart in you, and my spirit will come. Come and dwell in in a human, I mean in you. In you. Filling you, equipping you, empowering you, guiding you, possessing you. And that's God's church. A new heart. The gift of a new heart.
lastly, I just want to ask the question of what is it like to live with a new heart? Because I fail. Uh, I'm angry when I shouldn't be angry. I'm distrusting God when I shouldn't. I'm proud when I shouldn't be. I'm all sorts of things. Does that mean I... Is God's heart transplant failed? Um, and so do you. We fail. We fail. So... So I just want to say something about now. Now here we are, God's people. Given, he's given us this transplant, this new heart, this heart of flesh. And now we're on our way. We're on our way. We're pilgrims on a journey. One day we will see the Lord face to face. We're going through this pain-filled world. We're, we're in our careers. We're teachers or we're farmers or, 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 or we're doctors or whatever we are. And we're on our way. But one day we'll get to the end and we will, we will get to see Christ in the end. And, and in between now and then, we got this new heart. But there's, we notice also that this old self pops up. It does in me in all sorts of ways. And so now we are to be a church, yes, with a new heart, but that are so living with God that we are transformed. We're living differently. Many, many times in the New Testament, it says, I want you to become who you are. Oh, you've been transformed. You are born again. So now I want you to live like Christ. Put off the old self that you used to have. Put, you, you, that's not who you are anymore. Put, put that off and I want you to put on the new self in gentleness, not in bitterness. In forgiveness, not in unforgiveness. In courage, not in fear. I want you to put off because you're new. I've come. I've done it. I've done the surgery. And just like someone after they've had surgery, there is, there's a time when, when they're just beginning to walk again. They're just beginning to, they're just beginning to, 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 to regain their faculties, as it were, again. So it is with us. Yes, we're made new, but there's steps that we're taking to be more and more and more like Christ. The first big theological word is justification. That's where we get a new heart. But the second one is sanctification. That's where we're gradually becoming more and more holy, more and more like Christ. So how do you and how do I, someone, here you are, you've been touched with the, 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 the life of Christ deeply in your life. You know it. Some of you, you deeply know that you've been touched with the life of Christ you know that he's changed your heart. How do you know? Because you love him now. You want to worship him. He's everything to you now. How do you now walk each day in a way that honours him? How do we as a church do that? And I just want to say simply that we need a well-worn track in our hearts to the cross. I'll tell you what I mean. Regularly, 
I mean regularly. I mean multiple times a day. I, I have to go to the cross. I, I really do. I need to go to the cross of Christ. <laughs> because I've thought the wrong thing and I've been had the wrong attitude or I've no whatever. And I've, I, in my heart, say, Lord, I'm coming again. I'm coming to, again to the, to the cross. It's, it's very, very important for me in everyday life to go again and say, Lord, I'm so sorry and I'm coming to receive your transforming grace again. To, to, to feel your power again. To know your forgiveness and cleansing again. To know, Lord, your gracious spiritual work and enabling again. To live for this moment. For me not to be just trapped in shame and guilt, but, but knowing that you are my God, that, that you have, have saved me, you've paid everything for me, you have risen now and you've given me everything. And so that is who we are to be as believers. I know we're not perfect, I'm so far from perfect, but we're to be trusters in the death and the rising of Christ. We're pilgrims. But we are to live differently. We're a church. And the heart of the church is grace. What do I mean by that? This God has graciously sent his son. Just given his son. And, 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 and can I now keep a, a grudge against you? Can I now be unforgiven or be full of bitterness or anger? No, I can't. Because now we are a people infused by the goodness and the grace of God in Christ. And I have to overflow to you with love and, and thankfulness. And to God to thankfulness. This is the heart of the church. Hearts that have been renewed by grace. The Lord loves you so deeply. He has taken, he said, I, I, I'm going to love you so deeply that I'll take your heart of stone and I'll give you at my great expense a heart of flesh to, to love me. And now he's saying, as a church, let us live worshipping God, loving each other deeply, no longer gripped by fear and, 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 and standing off each other, brought in into the Saviour's arms and into his grace and love. We are to shine. You know, in Ezekiel's time, the nations were to look at, at Israel and think, wow, what an amazing God. And, and even today, more so today, the Lord is wanting us as a church to so shine. In what ways? With wealth? With glitzy this and glitzy that? No. Not primarily, not primarily, but with our own humble, joyful love. Um, we are to shine, make a difference. The, the world is longing for community and God is wanting us as a church to so shine uh, into, the, into the world that others would see how great he is, how faithful he is. Let me give thanks to God with you. Lord, thank you. Thank you so much that, that you, oh God, uh, have loved us with uh, a love that would even do surgery at the deepest part of our lives. Just change us. We, we are indebted to you, Lord. You have worked in us, oh God. 
And Father, we're thankful that you have brought us together, even here at Wagga Baptist, as uh, a church. It's like we're like a treasure chest that you have created with many jewels of your own creation. And we want to give glory to you, Lord. We want to love and worship you, Lord. I want to look to you, Lord, and hope in you, Father. And we pray, praise you, Lord, and honor you in Jesus' name. Amen.